1: If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special live events, or buy that merch, a.k.a. that hat I always wear, go to our website, www.andtheriteris.com. For a little bit of context, we just wanted you to know that a lot of these were recorded before quarantine. And as we know, a lot has changed in 2020. So again, please stay safe out there and enjoy the new episodes of And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's living legends are the writing-producing duo behind some of the biggest records throughout the entire world. Their influence in Latin music is directly correlated with reggaeton's influence in pop music. Most famously, they produce at the time, the longest-running number one song in Billboard history for 16 weeks and longest-running number one song in Latin Billboard history with, wait for it, 56 weeks, more than a damn year. That song went on to be the most viewed song in YouTube history. My favorite stat was that song was only the second mostly Spanish song ever to be nominated for song or record of the year for the Grammys. But we'll get to that song later because their careers are not just defined by that one song. They have helped sculpt some of the biggest Latin artist careers of this generation. All the way from Colombia, these two guys bring out the best in their co-writers. I know from experience. And the writers are Andres and Mauricio
2: yes I, I i i had a hangover and now i don't have it anymore because of that speech that she <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love it um you know you guys uh I, I was so fortunate to get to write with you guys already now it's been like three years of us writing together on and off so um this is really fun and I'm, I'm happy you guys are here so uh no better place to start than from the beginning now here you guys are in Pasadena, right? Is that where your students? Yeah, yeah. So you're in you're in Pasadena right now, but you came a, a a long way to get here. So both of you guys are Colombian but didn't know each other from birth. So quickly give a give a little background of of how what life was before you guys met. Andres you first.
3: So I was born in Bogota, Colombia, and I started doing music very, very young. I started playing drums. That was my instrument. And then when I was uh, studying music in the university and stuff, I started playing with different bands. And Mauricio had his band, Cali El Dandy. And he was playing, he was having like a, a, a hit in Bogota, a song that was doing really well in radio and stuff. And I started playing drums for, for his band. And we started like uh, becoming friends with other friends musicians in Colombia and the whole scene there. And then... Uh, a couple of years later, I moved to Los Angeles and started my career here as a producer and songwriter, but we kept being friends. Uh, and we started trading street secrets and samples and samples, yeah. things like that. And then in 2000, what is it, 14 or 15? Probably. We produced the first song together. And we, we thought, Mauricio came here to LA, and we both thought, this is, this is fun, this is very easy. And uh, if it's two of us, we can probably produce more. So uh, that started the relationship as, uh, as a production team. Mauricio then moved here to, to L.A.
2: He convinced me yeah. to do
3: it. And one of the first projects that we did um, as a duo was Fonzie. We started working on Fonzie's album, but it was a whole album. And it took almost two years, that album, to, to, to go out. But Despacito was one of those first songs that we did together. And then we had to revisit it, and then there was a featuring, and then there was another featuring, and it took a year. Yeah, forever. And of course, it changed everything for us after that.
1: Of course, it changed everything for a lot of people. But, you know, you're saying, starting in Colombia, and and you guys both being in two projects, are you starting to play in in, uh, Mauricio's band, that that in that scene you know, you know i think for most people who don't know who've never been to south america and they've never been to Colombia, uh did i pronounce that closer this time Colombia? Perfect. perfect so if you know what is what is that scene like i mean here in la there's a you know there's the sunset strip and you got the roxy and the whiskey and you got you know whatever it is i don't you know the troubadour and yeah. What, what is the scene in Colombia? How many people come to shows? What's it like to be a struggling artist there? Do you so, guys make money in bands there?
2: Right now, it's bigger because of reggaeton. So it's a, it's a solid uh, a lot of shows, a lot of artists, a lot of success going on with local artists. But it wasn't like that I don't know, 10 years ago. We had big names like, 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 Shakira. like Shakira, for example. But there were like I don't know, three or four big artists, and that's it. And a lot of kids dreaming. Right now, because of reggaeton and because of the um, interest that the whole world's putting on that uh, specific genre, there's, there's a big scene. Um, but it wasn't like that when we started making music. I think the scene, the scene was bars.
3: There's a lot of um, bands that play in bars. But rock or yeah, jazz or, or something like yeah. that. But the, I think the, the thing that is mo- most different and why Colombia, I think, is having such a good moment in music is that it has so many influence because of the way that it's positioned in America, so it has uh, all the influence from American music, music in English and all that stuff. You hear that, you have MTV, you listen to those that kind of music all the time. Mm-hmm. But then you know salsa since you were a kid, or merengue, I mean, or, or, merengue or vallenato, or cumbia. Yeah. You know all that stuff, and it, you you actually take it for granted. You're, but it goes in in your blood. You can you can probably hum atumbado in piano really mm-hmm. easy because you have heard it all your life mm-hmm. but then you're trying to do rock or you're trying to do something different but i think that that was the the thing when when i was growing up that now that i see it uh, that i look at back it's that was the the key thing of growing up in latin america yeah, a lot of influence from from everywhere yeah
1: uh, were your par- were your parents musicians
3: mine no but very like, they had a huge record collection and they would listen to music all the time. And mostly, my dad would listen to boleros and things in Spanish and my mom would only listen to music in English. Like, Chicago and Earth, Wind & Fire, The cool, cool and the
2: Gang, all that stuff. My, what about you? Mine were musicians also, but they supported us a lot. Like, I'm a musician because they were obsessed with telling me that I was good. And, and like, giving me instruments and like I, I grew up feeling that I was a musician
1: yeah that's a that's amazing were you good
2: I wasn't I wasn't I'm <laughs> I'm trying to be but no
1: <laughs> I mean that's a weird thing like that you know parents see their kids and, and either they see their kids as oh, they'll never make it because those, those people who are successful are too good and my kid isn't that way. Or they look at their kid and their kid really isn't all the way there yet. And they're like, wow, my kid is Michael Jackson. Or Quincy that's, that's, Jones, or yeah. you know? <laughs>
2: That's my case. That's my yeah. case. They were so supportive.
1: What was the first song that you guys wrote individually? And then I, I, you said the, the songs you started writing together, but were you guys writing independently when you was, yeah. Andres when you started playing drums in the band were you guys already writing songs was it all original music
3: so for my, my journey is a little bit different in that sense because I was I wanted to be a session musician that was my thing and then uh, so I started playing in bands but I, I just wanted to play drums I, I, I knew how to play a little guitar and piano but I didn't even know how to open pro tools or anything like that and then when I moved to L.A. to try to pursue being a session musician, I started getting into production almost like a, a necessity to, to make money, to be able to tune vocals for a producer or to do things like that. And then I started learning that uh, I started doing demos for songwriters. I did demos for a long time for Claudia Oran, which is a very successful Latin writer. And then I, I started learning there later in my life that writing songs was the whole thing. Uh, not only in the business, but it's really what matters most in the whole process. And then I started falling in love with that thing and with and with producing songs. And I s- slowly forgot my dream of being a session musician because music was changing. So people with a laptop were already doing everything. And I was doing that. For, that was my job. My day job was to do demos like that. And so that developed me into having sessions and then I played with a band called La Santa Cecilia here for a long time and I started writing songs with them. And then that evolved into my first publishing deal that I didn't know what it was at that moment, but it was a
1: publishing deal in Col- in Colombia. No, here, no, you no already moved. It, was here. it was here at this point. Got it. And
3: then uh, that's almost like by the time that we started working together, like my first deal and then that I realized that, OK, I'm a songwriter and a producer. That's what I do. I'm not a session musician anymore because I'm not touring. I don't play with anybody. I'm all the time in my computer trying to yeah. make a track in a song.
2: So, yeah. yeah. For me, for me, it was different because I was like kind of obsessed with producing since, since I was like 12 or, or maybe younger. I remember watching Full House and <laughs> that, that Uncle Jesse had a studio <laughs> on the basement and I loved that. Uh, so, so, yeah, I started, like, copying and ripping off Blink-182 songs. And that was, like, my obsession to make stuff sound as, as good as possible with a crappy chat microphone that I had. Um, and I, I wrote a lot of songs when I was a, super young, like, I don't know, 11 or 12. They were all in English, super bad English, uh, with no sense or whatever, but I was trying to be Blink. Uh, and then I started writing with my brother when the whole reggaeton thing started to happen in Colombia to try to copy the guys from, from, from Puerto Rico. And, and that's how we, we created our band, which is, which is Cali El Dandy, And till the day, we we'll still still try to copy the artists that we love. And then we fail. And then we end up <laughs> doing another thing. And-
1: do you, when people ask you what you do, do you say you're a producer or do you say you're in a band? I'm a producer. Yeah. But the band still, I mean, you still tour.
2: No, the band's super important for me. The thing is, I, I think the band exists because I wanted to produce and me and my brother were able to sing. So we started producing songs for us. But, but it was like an excuse to, to produce and to, to show other people that I could do something so that they will ask me to produce for them. That was like the plan when I was, I don't know, 15. Or Or sixteen
1: did um how did your band feel once they saw that you guys had moved to l a and then starting to see the success? Are they all supportive or are they do you think so, that
2: It's just my brother and me, so my brother moved to and he's super happy and, and, and he uh I mean he works with us all the time when we do the Kali and andndi stuff, but we even sometimes write with him for other people, sometimes not that often. But but yeah, he's here
1: and he loves it. Uh, Andres, when you moved up here, you went to Musicians Institute and I, I think that there's like a, I know that we have a lot of people who listen to the podcast that are from Musicians Institute and from programs like that. What did you learn at Musicians Institute that you were able to use in your in your now day job? So
3: for me, that's Uh, I went to Musicians' Institute to to learn drums. But it really, my plan since I was in Colombia was, you need a visa to be able to be here. So I enrolled in Musicians' Institute and I won a scholarship playing drums. Uh, So that was like my card to be able to move to LA to pursue my dreams of making it as a session musician and all this stuff. But I was playing drums all the time and that was my program. I was doing drums. And I think on the first quarter, I met these Swedish writers and singers and stuff, and I had my laptop and we started doing sessions like uh, after school. And that was one of the moments that I realized that this, it wasn't the session musician thing, it was the producer thing. So I think the, what I got most out of uh, Musicians Institute is the, the people that I met and all these musicians that are great from everywhere in the world and doing sessions but back in Colombia Nowadays they do sessions, but the the word session didn't even exist. Like if you say session, means yeah. that you're gonna record an instrument for a song.
2: Collaborating didn't exist also. No,
3: like- people who write a song by themselves and then go to a studio, pay session musicians, and that's it. Yeah. So that that dynamic, I learned it here and I learned it in the in musicians institute. And it was only a year I was there, but it was enough to, for me to realize I'm only gonna do this all the time, no matter what, and I did a bunch of programs, internships and stuff like that. And I met a lot of people, nothing really that I can relate to what we do now, but, but it, it was definitely the school. It was definitely the way to getting into LA because it's a hard city to meet people and all the stuff. So I think that was more the thing, the networking.
1: Um, shortly after you guys ended up working together here, like you said, one of the first projects was working with Fonzie. So that's a pretty significant artist to have as one of your first artists to work with. I know you had had some cuts before that, but, um, you know, at the time he'd already been nominated for some Latin Grammys and whatnot. You know, he's older than us. He had the
3: song of the, the, song of the decade.
2: The he Latin did, song the of the decade. Latin
3: song of the decade. He was the biggest thing. But it, it came out because one of the jobs that I had here in Los Angeles was doing demos for Claudia Brandt. And I met all these artists and they met me as well. And I started a relationship with Fonzie doing his demos. He would do albums and I would do the demos for the album. He would uh, pay me and then they would reproduce it or whatever. And then at the moment that we were starting to work together, Fonzie was the guy that was like, I want to give this two a chance because enough, enough demos, they already sound like records. Mm-hmm. Let, let's do he something loved, together.
2: He loved the demos.
3: Yeah, he so, loved the demos until he was spending money on on producing reproducing the demos. So it was kind of that transition of, I'm gonna give these two kids a chance because they are already like sort of pay their dues in the sense that they are, have been doing this for a while, and he knows the like the whole process that that we have done. And we went to Miami and started producing demos that became songs.
1: A lot of people, um, uh, so many producers, it's like they. They argue, when you write with them, they argue whether they should go through actually fully producing out the song or not, you know? And as a songwriter, there are a lot of times where I'll pitch just a guitar vocal or piano vocal, and sometimes I'll do a production, but basically what you're saying is that when you were doing demos, you treated the demos like they were, you're a lot of people it in, or you're... your
3: energy. Another person that I met here in, in LA that was very key in our career is Sebastian Cris, a producer. Very successful producer, many, many times a Grammy winning. And he told me when, when I got this gig with Claudia, produce it like like if it's coming out. Don't even if they say demo, nobody listens to demos with the ear of a demo. They always listen. Is it good or is it bad? Exactly. That's, it. That's yeah. the only thing that matters. So I, how good are you? I will always it. produce over produce the demos, actually. Sometimes. Like, that was a learning curve, but I spend hours and hours and hours to make it sound like a record. Like the same, the same thing that you were saying, copying arrangements from other people from great productions and trying to, to make it sound like that. And sometimes it did happen,
2: sometimes it didn't. But it was the whole learning curve. And we actually, we actually treat our demos right now, when the song doesn't have an artist or anything, it's just a song to pitch, we get obsessed. And we actually spend more time than we shoot yeah but we're obsessed with like being completely proud of whatever that you send uh, in an email like you have to be it has to be mixed almost so yeah we work a lot on on demos
1: you two in particular are two of the fastest producers i've ever worked with as far as going from um an idea to getting a demo that sounds like it's you know, ready to be pitched or ready to go. Is that, um, you know, is that is that something you had to work up towards? I know that seems like an obvious question, but maybe it, it, did, does it come so natural to you that you guys just naturally build? You guys seem to build tracks so fast around a song. You guys seem to be fast songwriters.
2: That's because we hate going home at night, getting in the car without a bounce without knowing that we did something and we can play it yeah we hate that feeling I sometimes think, it happens and it's the worst because we feel like we didn't do nothing we're chasing that moment the whole day yeah.
3: like we we get to the studio and we're chasing the moment that we can go into the car and crank up something that we're really excited about exactly so that's that's like the thing that we're going after and and i think we learned of course it wasn't like from day one but we learned how to be able to fully produce a song in a day from writing to producing so that we can go in the car and then get home and show to our wife like Listen exactly. to this to this is the best thing. And then exactly. the next day we forget about the song and we move to the next one. And mm-hmm. it's like a permanent uh
2: excitement of the thing that you're oh. doing in one day and yeah. that's it. Yeah yeah the
3: thing that you're doing today is the most exciting thing that we have ever done in our lives. And that's it.
2: Also also if we work a lot of days on one thing we 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 don't we probably don't like it that much anymore. Like when you have that hype Of, I love this idea everybody's gonna love it's gonna be a number one that hype that you get in the studio you have to take advantage of that yeah Uh, that's that's, that's a big that's the fuel exactly that's a big part of the fuel exactly Mm
1: -hmm. how much do you guys listen to your wives and whether it's good or
2: not
3: a lot but I don't think we
2: no I mean it's a good it's a good like their faces when they're when they're first listening to the thing are so important Uh, but also they have taste
3: that you know very well so there's things that it's probably not for her she doesn't even like she, this kind she, of artist she shouldn't
2: like it because it's yeah. i don't know more reggaeton or more street or yeah. um, i don't know but i love it because or... both
3: of our wives are very not not knowledgeable knowledge in music was yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah because we always talk about music we're super boring so when we go eat, of- we're, we're
1: all that way a little bit. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah. Our, our wives all deserve the 50% that they'll right? get. <laughs> you know, they've all earned it. Um, what is, I, Whenever I finish a demo, I listen to the demos until the song comes out. Once the song comes out, I never listen to the song anymore. Like I don't, if it's on radio, sure. Of course, every time you hear it on radio, that's a quote. Cool exactly. Yeah. But if it's a demo, demos, you want to listen to because it's like there's so there's still potential, yeah. and you listen to it with this potential, and your brain dreaming, goes and dreaming it. dreaming
2: dreaming every time yeah yeah totally.
1: it's like a you know when you um, I hated this I knew this one producer who talked about um, how songs are lottery tickets and I, and I've talked about this before in the podcast but I just thought that, that was like such a rude thing to say in front of an artist and as I've gotten older I've kind of understood. That the good parts of lottery tickets are that when you own, when you buy a lottery ticket, all you do all day, even though you know you're not going to win, you still dream about what it would be like if you had that hundred million dollars. That's, yeah.
3: that's true. You know,
1: you you know it's not going to happen, but if that one day you got the hundred mil, you'd be like, oh, or a billion or whatever, you're like, I'd get this yacht and that house. Yeah. I donate. Like you,
2: start, you start inventing like problems, <laughs> like no, I cannot do that because. That wouldn't be smart. That yeah, I need
1: another one. Maybe a plane. Well, well. <laughs> yeah, but not not yeah, not too much of a plane because it's still a hassle. And
0: like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, So you like, it a little demos bit. Are that.
1: <laughs> demos are just that. You listen to these and you're like, oh man, when that artist cuts this, uh, it's just gonna just fly. It's yeah. just gonna go. I love um, that. So when when you finished you started working with Fonzie together and you guys worked on the whole album. And like you said, Despacito took a long time with multiple features on it. Um, It was a big song before it got to Bieber and whatever. And, you know, as we said, 56 weeks, number one, it's so hard to fathom. I remember being with Enrique a few years ago when it went was like, you know, the one, and that was only 42 weeks, which is already almost a year. 56 weeks. It's so hard to explain that length of a hit. When did you realize it was a hit? When you had the demo? Did you realize it was a hit Like when you finished the beat? like Tell me the whole journey of that song. I'm sure you're sick of talking about it. It
3: was actually a long journey, so it was still a journey. So the song started, Fonzie had this idea, and he had a session with Erika Ender, Mm -hmm. a great songwriter. And they, they did the song with a guitar and, and vocals. And then we started the process of finding the right production for the song. And we did one demo that we can say nowadays it sucked. Yeah. The first, first version. Yeah. And then it, like six months later, because we were trying to find a way to for Fonzie to do something more reggaeton. And that's in that moment, it didn't seem that obvious because it was the biggest ballad
2: singer. He, he did he did ballads. That's it. So it's like making, I don't know, Celine Dion yes. do trap music. It's it was it was weird even for us because we were big fans of his. So we didn't wanna change or or do something that, that, that everybody was gonna hate because that's not him. Yeah. But he he he's actually from Puerto Rico and he's he, he And he loved Reggaeton. The thing exactly. is that he was famous for
3: romantic songs. And his fans were all about uh, the ballads. So when we started producing, it was finding that those samples, that sound, that that like uh, energy, that felt organic to him and normal, that it wasn't disruptive. But it had to dance, and people had to feel like they were listening to reggaeton. Uh So it was. We always say that we're faking reggaeton. That's our career, because everybody that we worked since Fonse. Says, like, I don't want to do it too reggaeton. I want it, but to they be, do, but, but they don't want, reggaeton but they do. The they just
2: feel, I don't know,
3: but they want a different kind of vibe sample. Uh-huh. They want it to feel like a song because sometimes reggaeton can have this reputation of being, I don't know, street. too aggressive, too street or whatever. And we're working mostly with pop artists that want to have a hit, but don't want the bad part of the reputation of, yeah. of that world. So that was the thing finding that sweet spot. Took us a long time. Totally. So, but the main the main song was one like the main production happened in one afternoon. Yeah. At Fonzie's house, we pretty much did the whole thing. But then came a featuring. Then the featuring step out of the song. Then I don't know. Fonzie texted the song to to Janky, Janky? Yeah. Janky said yes. For us, that was like the biggest moment. We went to Miami, recorded Yankee, then recorded the cuatro player, the guy, mm-hmm. the 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 quattro in the, in the beginning, is a guy from Puerto Rico that Fonzie told us, I want this guy to play. So cuatro. he flew to Miami
2: to play what is the most important part of the arrangement. That's actually. mainly the song,
3: yeah. yeah. Uh, and then that took a process. I remember there were nine versions of the mix. That's most mixes that we have. Yeah, done. totally.
2: We always do two, two versions with mm-hmm. Jason, two versions. Three something happened in the second one, like... Um, a, a, a muted track. It, when it
3: came out, it was like, finally, we get this thing out of our way a little bit. Yeah. That that kind of thing. We didn't feel like, oh, we're going to, this is going to be the biggest song ever. No. We felt like, oh, we okay. were happy.
2: Yeah, this is coming out. That's it. Yeah, this is fine. Let, let's move on.
1: Now that it's been what it became, does that change when you have a song at that point? Do you, are your expectations totally different? Do you now expect to have songs that are that big?
2: It would, no. it, it, I mean, I mean, no, because we know every song is different. It's like the lottery ticket that you were saying. Exactly. That's because, of course, we want to do it again. We want to do it again. And that's why we get into the studio every morning to do it again. But it's not like we need to beat it. It's just like a rush that you feel exactly with the with the lottery ticket uh, uh, example. What's going to happen with this song? We want it to be the most famous song in the world every time. Um, but also
3: it's. You have that feeling,
2: but when once, like you were saying too, when once it comes
3: out, it's not yours anymore, and it's not like we get frustrated when songs don't do well because many songs that we have done are not they just, and there are songs that we were like, this is the biggest song for this artist, and then nothing happened, <laughs> and, and it's fine. We love the song, but it's just a matter of so many things have to come together. Yeah, we to understand well. that. We really know that, and I think this pasito was. A humbling experiences that sense because it didn't, it wasn't up to us. We didn't do anything particularly incredible that made the song that big. It was so many things c- came together. The world At was that in a particular moment, moment yeah. and it clashed and it exploded. And then Justin Bieber came into it and it exploded twice. And, but yeah, we, we produced it. We did, I think one of the biggest, better things that we, that we have done, but, but it is not our make. We didn't make
1: it happen. Mm-hmm. There, There's some um, uh, famous foreign producing um, duos, you know, and w- when I think of what Stargate means to Norway, where they go to Norway and they are, you know, uh, I'm sure Mikkel is going to laugh at this, but they basically are like, they could throw parades for those guys. Like those oh guys God. are famous, you know? What was it like at home for your family and for your friends to see, you know, not just at that point you'd already had some Latin hits, but when they were seeing you at the Grammys, um, what did that feel like, and what what were their their responses? What was the country's response? Were you getting things at that level, you know, were people it, writing it about was, it
2: was really proud, like the people we know were proud of us, of course, but i think the whole latin community not only in colombia were really proud of that song because it was crossing borders everywhere and we all as 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 latin uh, people uh, felt that that wasn't possible to go that big like to go i don't know how many weeks you just told us in the in the general market here on billboard that's that's a great thing for our community because we're speaking uh, spanish and and making a number one hit for so many weeks. So it wasn't even about us or about Fonse. it was like the whole Latin uh, community going super proud of that thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, 16 weeks is one third of the year. Do you know what I mean? When you really think of what that really means, is sometimes you hear weeks and it's it's hard to gain perspective, what it's like to have a song that's that popular for that long, it's just, just insane. Um, yeah. I think watching that from afar, it was, you know, is that thing where everybody says, well, we, we want a song like that. And one thing that I would recommend people do is Google translate those lyrics. <laughs> if you don't understand them, they're, they're, there's more wit to them and there's more color in them than people realize. And I think there's this, um, they know one word of the song if they don't speak Spanish. But if you actually read those lyrics, even in Google Translate, they're really colorful. And when you talk about Bonzi being romantic, they're they're on the side of classy as far as, you know, dirty lyrics would go. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't know.
3: I I just that very much I think the Eric Kander input I think in there with, with Fonse, those lyrics. If you are if so poetic. So poetic. It, yeah. Like we like nowadays even you don't go there. Like it's hard, it's it's hard it's, to have songs that are successful that are so poetic and that have so many like tricks in terms of the sense and all that stuff. You we actually go for the simple I yeah. think most, most of the time because we like it and because we think it works more. That's why that's one of the other anomalies about Despacito. I don't think there's another example that...
2: That poetic that and that much with reggaeton era.
3: and with Daddy Yankee. And it's, it's that
2: mixture of so many things. Yeah. For example, that song has an intro, like a 20 second intro. Yeah. Of nothing, of the Cuatro Flea, that's it. We, it, we it, wouldn't it. do that now, even if they kill us. Yeah. A 25 second intro? Why? And it
1: worked yeah so um you know we've worked together we've actually had a song that i believe was in english for a spanish artist our first cut with teeny
0: uh-huh.
1: and um and then we worked on a song you know where i helped us the english translation for one of the songs Bonzi. how do you guys feel about you know, do you feel like you're being pigeonholed to write Latin music or are you guys Latin music producers? Like, do you guys want to write more in English for English artists? Yeah. You know, how does it how does that you know, how do you feel about that part of the music business?
3: I think it, it has changed the way that we feel about it, because precisely, I think we now understand that what makes us special in terms of production is who we are, where we come from, what we can bring to the table. So at first we were always trying to do sessions and become
2: Swedish Uh because we love Swedish. We're we're obsessed with with, with the songs. And and, and trying to
3: do what they know how to do best and kind of forgetting a little bit what we can bring to the table and who we really are. So for us, I think the dream is to keep growing as producers, that's it. Not to be in the box of Latin producers, but, of course, that's the main thing that we do. Because, and we're proud of that. Yeah, we love it. And we, it's not, not to say easy, but it's the thing that we know how to do most. But then Despacito is a Latin song. And Echame la Culpa is a Latin song. Mm-hmm. And our songs that have a feature in English and that we believe a lot in global music and, and Spotify has changed everything. So I don't think we want to be seen nowadays as, oh, these guys can do that too. It's just these guys do music, and that's it. Great music.
1: I don't know if there's been another time that I can think of where there's m- more Latin influence in pop music and and more Spanish-speaking rock stars. You know, it feels like Kiss FM has, you know, a, a large portion of their artists have Latin influence in it. Yeah. Why right now, and is that gonna is it gonna stay that way?
2: Or is it going to grow? I don't know. I, I, think, I think what's fresh about that Latin thing, like if we try, try to strip it, and the most basic thing in Latin music that everybody loves is that pattern that reggaeton has. That that I think is not going to disappear, and that's going to grow. Even if it's a Latin artist or not. Like if it's Ariana or, or Beaver or, 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 or Drake. Uh, but I think that's gonna still growing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you must hear it constantly. Cause it's, you know, I, I was going to get into your splice pack, but like every, that's like, that's what, you just hear it all over the place. Yeah, but go it, for
3: it. I, I, I believe that the tunka tunka two tu is the new two on four. Like before music was two pa tu two pa. And then all of a sudden there's another option. Mm-hmm. That is two, katu, katu and people keep dancing because it's four on the floor, and it's, everybody can understand it, everybody can relate, and you can complicate it as much as you want. The same as it's, two and four, but it's that, but it's, that's the principle, yeah. and I I think that's the thing that connected the world, that you have a four on the floor and some kind of subdivision that everybody can understand, everybody because it's not that even, it's like, not that even e- either,
2: yeah, it's not that even, so you can dance a little easier. I don't know, we can. We can be geeks about it. Geeks about that pattern. But but yeah. yeah that, that,
1: I mean, speaking of being geeks about it, explain what to our listeners who don't know what Splice is, what Splice is, the pack you guys did, and what is it like to hear your work in other people's songs? Because my guess is you're hearing it all over the place.
2: Yeah, we, we feel super happy when we... Yeah, we love it.
3: So Splice is this website that... Uh, has samples. Before Splice, everybody would trade samples and have samples that they they cherish because I only have this cake and this is my cake. And now Splice changed the game for producers because you can download... It's like a
2: Netflix of sounds. Of sounds, yeah. That would be the explanation for the, for the people that are not musicians. And
3: they asked us to do a, a sample pack and one of the guys from Splice came here. We did it like we... We even took stuff from sessions that we use, like grooves, whole grooves, and we put them in there to make it easy for people because we use splice a lot and we wanted to collaborate. We are not the kind of producers that are like, oh, this is my secret now. There's no secret. The secret is this song is good or it's not good. It doesn't depend on the samples. It doesn't matter. So um, that happened. And then when we started listening to songs that had our samples, that it has happened a lot in Latin music, but also the most, the coolest thing has been to hear, for example, a cumbia guitar, in a trap song, and it's being used in a completely different way that you would ever mm-hmm. imagine. And that has happened. What was the band?
2: No, I remember.
3: Five Re- Seconds of Summer or something. Like Probably.
0: That. Yeah. There was
3: a, a, a song that we heard, and it was like a cumbia guitar being used in the coolest way because somebody heard it and didn't know exactly. Cumbia. Oh, yeah. of course it, so And they used it in a different way. I think that's the coolest part.
1: Mm-hmm. How does Splice work for a producer? I mean, you don't have to give me any details on how you guys in particular get paid in 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 splice but w- part of what we try to do is show the different ways that musicians can make a living being so, musicians if you were to put up a pack do does it work with like every download i, I think
2: it works with every download. yeah every download. it's like spotify or whatever it's like every download and they they pay zero point something i don't know yeah
3: they pay they pay a little bit for for every download that you do and as a producer you can Uh, like as a client let's say you have I think a hundred tokens a month or something like that and you every time you download something it gets one or two sometimes depending on the length
2: so you're giving two tokens to the producer that did that package and
3: that token is money but I don't know exactly
2: yeah the number we we don't know it
3: yeah
1: you guys had a um, you know obviously you've had a lot of Latin music but you had a a K-pop song this last year Uh with with Monster X and um It just shows, again, like how the world is smaller and smaller and smaller when a a Colombian duo can write with a Korean band and have it come out in the United States. is just mind-boggling. Do you feel like your sound is now moving into that world a lot like are you able to dabble in genres outside of pop and latin that if you're hearing it in a trap beat and you're hearing it in k-pop world are you able to dabble in those genres or do you just again just keep doing what you do and whatever the world does is their choice
3: no 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 we are constantly pursuing sounding like the radio exactly And or beating the radio, of course, you want to be uh, ahead, Exactly. but we sometimes we go into the process of understanding why a trap song is so big because we don't understand it and we listen to it and we listen to it and then we love it and then we understand it and then we make that part of our sound. We're always evolving making Latin music is the same way. We get very inspired by new producers, mm-hmm. by new songs, and we're always trying to do that. We won't never be the kind of people that are like, this is what I do, and too bad if you don't like it, no. Nah.
2: Because we're not the artist. Exactly. We're, we're, we're just, like, if you have only one sound, you can be an artist, but you cannot be a producer. That's, that's the way we think. Like, we admire, for example, Max so much because he's changed a lot of times. Of course, collaborating with a lot of people. But that's 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 why we love his work because it's different. Uh, so we love doing different stuff, and and yeah, getting inspired by all those I don't know charts in different countries. We're always uh, looking for weird charts in, in a we, weird country that we don't know, but to see what the people like there. You see
3: that the artist just said we're not an artist. It's very yeah. clear for us because. And it's very like when we got together, it was the vision was very clear. We're producers and we're serving artists and the song. Mm-hmm. That's why they have tried to convince us many times to put a name to this duo. Like, you should be called the Super Wonders uh, so that people <laughs> think that you're catching stuff. Because Andresa Andres
2: and Mauricio is hard, it's hard, so hard to spell. We don't care. We don't care. Because it's we, not we're...
3: about being the flavor of the month for us at all. We want mm-hmm. to do this for hopefully ever. Mm-hmm. And it, in that sense, I think it's better to have it very clear that you're serving the artist, serving the song, trying to learn every day to make it better mm. and to have a hit. And also don't be, in a sense, too flashy. Uh, uh-huh. Because if you're too flashy, if everybody is talking about you, you will be the flavor of the month. But if, if you're constantly doing it, doing it, doing it, then maybe they have to research who did this song. Uh-huh. And it's like, ah, Andres, I, don't, I cannot even pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's great. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The, a lot of people think that, you know, that they have to go there. Well, what's the expression of, uh, you know, it's a, it's who, you know, is what people think. And I'm always like, no, it's who knows you. So you, you, you just have to do you. And then they, they will find you. If you keep putting out the content, that's good. They'll find you and they'll put two to, you know, if, if they look up a hundred names in on a, on a chart, there's like five names that are repeated. And that's it. So if you can get two songs on any chart at the same time, even in a year or something like that, everyone will know. And especially if you have one that's at the top. And people will just talk, you know?
2: Yeah,
1: totally. Putting out good content. Absolutely. Um, are you guys going to live in LA for the rest of your lives? Or do you guys want to go back? Or do you want to go somewhere else?
2: I, I, I personally love, love going to Colombia. But I would like to, I don't know, retire here, like live here forever.
3: Yeah, I think me too. But I definitely have the need to go to Colombia
1: many times a year.
2: Mm-hmm. How
1: often do you really go many times a
2: year? Yes. we Mauricio more. I, I go like, I don't know, 12 or 15 Mauricio times a sometimes year. Sometimes
3: we'll leave on Friday and be back on Sunday.
2: I do that a lot. I mean, pre-COVID, but yeah. Yeah, for
3: interviews and stuff like that. I will go probably three times, three times a Twice year. Twice or three, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: How long is that flight from here? Uh,
2: Eight hours. Yeah, seven and something. Overnight, it's great. It's it's a great flight.
1: That's a really like it's such a unique thing to go home and it's eight hours away. Does your family come up here a lot?
2: Yeah, prior the prior COVID, yes. Yeah, right now, no, of course, but yeah, in my house was like always uh, with with family here. Even uh, like my wife, uh, family or my family or my brother now lives here, but he uh, used to visit uh, a lot. So, yeah.
1: yeah. What do you think is next for you guys as producers? What, How do you see the industry in the next, you know, few years? And, you, you know, as you're seeing, like you were saying, 25 seconds in the beginning of a song would never happen now. You know what I mean? Because it's the world is like, give me the hook from the start. Yeah.
2: But I
3: think now, because we have a lot of those conversations every day, Mm -hmm. and I think um, we're kind of trying to understand always what is going to happen. That's everybody in the music business. Like, what is the new trend going to be and how can we jump in that uh, first? And I think what we have realized during uh, doing this for a little bit is that you have to put your cards there and then you have to put your cards in the other place and then in the other place. So you have this artist that does full songs, no reggaeton, yeah, folk,
2: lyrics, good melodies, not reggaeton at all. We love doing that because we're like putting the lottery ticket in different we, places. We say
3: diversify your portfolio. <laughs> exactly. It's a joke,
2: but it's it's true. we, we
3: and that I think that philosophy has been full on this year, and I think it's gonna keep being because. We're doing that, we're betting also on a lot of new artists Mm -hmm. that we believe in and that we think that are going to be great. Like, for example, we're having a really big song right now in Colombia with Gracie. She's not new-new, but she is going to explode. And we're being part of that journey. We're still working with bands, and we're still working with Fonsi, and we're still doing sessions here in LA. So diversify your portfolio, do that for many years, and hopefully we can make a career that is very stable.
1: Has Zoom slowed you down at all or is it picking up pace because now you don't have to travel places? I mean, are you finding that, that this is a better time for creativity or a harder time for you?
2: I, I, I think we, li- we like writing in person more, like having the artist in the room, not through a screen. But it hasn't affected us that much. Mm-hmm. Like, like We like it better in the past, but the outcome is kind of the same.
3: And I think it it has inspired in a way too, because for example, the first week that of the lockdown and everything went south and all that stuff, that was like three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a session with an artist supposed to be coming here, an artist from Spain. And we did the something, and we rea- realized that we, we shouldn't we were going to we were going for something and then we changed the ride completely in terms of genre. And we did a pop rock two mm, thousands. Punk,
2: yeah. Funky. we did it in a
3: week and we fully produced it and everything and I think we were inspired because the world was changing everything was weird and we were like we, we're we not going to do the same thing we're not going to do another song that is predictable let's do something different but that we love Yeah, kind of that situation and hopefully it pays off it, yeah. it will come out in December
1: and we're going to go to the next segment which is a 5 for 5 I'm just going to name a few people you can just tell me you know, the first thing that comes to the top of your mind. All right. I feel like we have to start
2: with Fonzie. He changed our lives completely. He's, we were big, big fans when we were young, but now we're, we're, we're bigger fans of his because he's not even talented. uh, uh, Like talent is, really big, but it's not his biggest uh, quality. He's 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 a, a great worker, a great guy, and he uh, made us part of, of the most important song that we've ever done, so, so yeah.
1: This is a random one, and we haven't talked about him, but I know that it sort of propelled it forward a bit, so I'm going to just go with Justin Bieber.
2: We admire him a lot. Yeah,
3: we love Justin Bieber. I think Justin Bieber is one of those a person that only come in the history of humanity, very few just mm-hmm. in in life, and to be able to have him on a song was not even part of the spectrum of our dreams. No, our dreams were going somewhere, but that wasn't in in like in the spectrum. He was very far away, and it happened to us, and it also gave us like the like the um, that belief that anything can happen. Yep. And it doesn't and it's not in your control, but do your best because anything can happen. Just in can you on your song. Exactly. It happened. So I think that's one of the things.
1: Colombia.
2: Yeah, it's uh, our home our home forever. All our inspiration comes f- from Colombia. We, we we're always producing a song, of course, thinking globally and blah blah blah. But what we're really thinking is like imagine a uh club in colombia how people will be dancing there. there there's there's actually
3: an a uh, place. A restaurant. A restaurant that is called Andrés Carneres that is very famous in Colombia. And sometimes we listen we, we listen to the song and it's like, would they play this one?
2: Exactly. Would they play <laughs> will, will people stand up and stop eating and start dancing or not? Because if they do we're doing a good job. And we're always <laughs> thinking about Colombia every time. Yeah. I
1: like this next one. Okay. So Andres, I'll ask you, Mauricio. Genius. I like that.
2: One word. Mauricio. But that, that, now I'm gonna mess I'll up. Ask you. He's, Andres. He's um, like very uh, guilty of all the success that I have. Like he's 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 one of the main reasons that I'm doing this and living on my dream
1: i want to give you guys a hug now <laughs> <laughs> like i i mean look first of all thank you guys for doing this um you know i i think of this there's this one random session we did and i forget who it was for already i can't remember who it was where we wrote i think three songs or three starts in like a day
2: maluma probably
1: yes maluma that's okay. what it was. Oh, yeah yeah and I just remember, like, the, you know, I'm a, I think of myself as a very slow writer. But when I'm around you guys, I feel like there's this, you guys bring in energy without it being this, um, it's not a fake hype. There are producers too when you go in the room. And here's, here's one of the things about the music industry that's funny is that producers don't know how other producers act because they're the producers. You understand all the stuff. <laughs> And top liners don't know how other top liners write. So everyone's insecure. All the producers think they're doing it wrong and all the top liners think they're doing it wrong. And when I'm around you guys, I think I'm doing it right because I walk away from there, not necessarily, where sometimes you walk away and the guy's been like, that's amazing, that's amazing, that's amazing, but it's not. (laughs) Instead, you guys would still be like, no, keep going, keep going. But when you get the energy, you just keep pushing to finish the idea, and then you're ready to move on, and we can always go back and fix stuff. But you guys bring an energy that I don't think I've ever had in any other session, period.
2: I don't know where that comes from. That's amazing coming from you. Thank you so much for saying that. I
3: actually remember the first session. Yeah, and the sentiment is the other way around. Exactly. I remember that we opened the mic, we put her out a tune, and you started singing, and we're like, "That, that's the song. Like one million great melodies
2: in 30 we're, seconds. We're completely done. Let's yeah. do another one, because that, that was it. That's that's so perfect. That was the teeny session, remember? Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah she's great. I mean, uh, you know, we'll have to keep doing it, and, and this is obviously just the beginning of your career, so I'm excited. As, as long as we do this podcast and we can... We can catch up in a couple of years and, and check in and see all the new hits that you guys have. That'll be really fun because I met you guys sort of probably right in the middle or the end of Despacito-ish. And, you know, um, it's just nice that like you guys don't walk around like you don't you don't act a certain way you guys are just super nice humble humans who love what you do and uh i just appreciate having you guys as friends so thank you thank wow. you so
2: much for inviting us thank you so much cool. big fans, actually, of the podcast.
1: thanks for listening to this episode of and the writer is if you want to hear music from this songwriter i just interviewed be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And The Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silberstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.